Welcome to another episode of Stories from the Atlantic. As I drove back towards Reykjavik, Iceland's capital, on a March afternoon, having just passed the foot of the mountain Esja, a popular hiking trail, a rare and unusual sight appeared in front of me. A lone bicyclist was struggling up the hill, managing what seemed to be a very heavy bike, weighed down by bags hanging off the sides, reminding me of the distant reality when farmers arrived in the city, a mere village back then, carrying their produce on horses. Perhaps a bit before my time, but this bicyclist was as unlikely a sight at this time of year as a horse laden with sheepskins arriving at the edge of the city. This episode of Stories from the Atlantic will focus solely on this solo bicyclist and the story behind this unusual travels. I turned off the road, looking back at the mountain and the road, waited, and finally, as the cyclist arrived, I stepped out of my warm car and intercepted the stranger on his strange journey. There was no snow on the ground, but it was windy and freezing cold. I briefly introduced myself, my podcast, and my interest and curiosity in what he was doing. A meeting was agreed for the following day, and we said our goodbyes. Jean-Philippe Bossou had not only struggled up the last hill and all the hills before it, but struggled to get to Reykjavik as fast as possible, having had the news of his elderly father falling in his home. It turned out that the injury was not serious, and Jean-Philippe spent the rare night under a roof cleaning himself and his clothes after traveling around on his bike in Iceland, always sleeping in a tent. He had come to Iceland with the purpose of biking 600 kilometers while also filming interviews with people on topics like climate change and renewable energy, all part of his project, Odis Land. Before learning about his present and earlier journeys, we go back to the moment when he set out on this path of arduous solo travels. On a summer afternoon in his home village of Nechin on the border of Belgium and France, Jean-Philippe, had just said goodbye to the French adventurer and bicyclist Lionel Daudet. The latter was bicycling through the village, following the exact path of France's border by bike, foot and other non-motorized means, making him the first to do so. Jean-Philippe had offered Lionel, in an email, to stop at his house, to eat, to shower, to rest, on what he felt was a magnificent journey. His offer was accepted, and after this encounter, he felt different and then i felt something uh, as my life was so empty you know what i'm going to do this today i'm going to uh, i'm going to, to to go to work i'm going to um, uh, play with my kids and with my wife and do their homework and and i feel my life was so empty that uh, i want to to do something new something something different. It was when I was uh, 40, <laughs> so it's probably the uh, crisis of the middle life. <laughs> Midlife crisis. Midlife crisis, yes. And then I decided to, to do a challenge. Uh, and the first challenge was to take my bicycle and to go at the northest point of Europe from my house. Uh, so um, I prepared it from, for two years. Uh, to uh, learn Bokmal, it's uh, uh, the language of uh, of Norway, so I speak a little bit uh, Bokmal, uh, and then to find uh, sponsors and to to train because it's uh, it's difficult. And then uh, in 2014, he's gonna start again. 
As he started outlining the difficulties of such a long journey, a plumber started drilling next door. So we quickly fled to the quiet of my car, where I asked him about the reaction of his wife to his newfound focus. My wife is a psychologist, and uh, she knows that a man has to follow his dream. So uh, when, she, when I asked her, um, she, she said, let's go, let's go. Uh, we are a family like that. My, my wife got plenty of dream too. Uh, their dream is, is about to work. She likes working. Um, she's, uh, she works a lot and I help her a lot. And I do plenty of things with my kids and my house and everything. So when I, I told to, to, to her that I want to do that, she said, go, go, follow your dream. His journey started long before the actual departure, including planning, preparation and getting in shape. Yeah, so uh, I've began to, to train, train a lot because it's challenging. Uh, and then um, two years after, I took my bicycle and to and go from the from my house to the northest point of uh, of Norway. It's um, five thousand kilometers. And um, during this trip, I I've tried to to take only a very small road and to 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 be. Uh, as far as possible as civilization and uh, completely um, uh, in the nature. Before being in the nature was the moment of departure, saying goodbye to family and friends, as well as confronting himself in a new way. Yeah, it was the 5th of July in 2014. Uh, it was amazing. I was with all my friends who followed me during the first uh, 50 kilometers. My kid was where we are here too, and uh, we were uh, plenty of friends, and uh, some of my pupils were with me. <laughs> it was a really good day. Difficult moment because uh, it, it was the first time I was uh, completely, completely alone. I've, plenty of friends, uh, um, plenty of colleagues. I've got two, three children and uh, my life is uh, full of people and it was the first time I was, I was completely alone. And uh, the, the, first of all, the feeling of loneliness was uh, a little bit scary. And then I appreciate that. I say, why you are here so alone? And if, if you have a problem, nobody can help you. Uh, but after this moment, uh, I feel that to be alone, uh, it's, it's completely new and completely different. And, and you, you can feel so many things uh, you, you can't feel with you are with somebody. Uh, you are alone with with yourself, and uh, you discover a guy uh, you've probably never seen is your own personality, and uh, you've got so so many time to see the nature. You are in quite silence to to see animals, to see you you, you can take your time to see to see the cl the cloud moving in the sky, and. Uh, to meet people, it's easier too, because uh, when you are alone, everybody wants to help you. So sometimes uh, I'm invited by, by people. The people of quiet, remote places were kind and helpful, though his goal was to be in what he termed nature, an idea of place without the permanent presence of humans. And so he passed through Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, Denmark, and finally Norway, through fields, forests, over hills, up mountains, and down again. 
He felt himself sometimes to be in a book, like when the landscapes of Denmark conjured up the scenes from a story by the famous Hans Christian Andersen. At such a slow pace, you move through the landscape as part of it in a way that is unattainable by car, train, or any other motorized means. I imagine the change in scenery happening slowly from the flatness of Belgium, the Netherlands, and Denmark, though its reputation is flat, he says is misleading. Then there's the change, from open scenery to the shade of forest, the appearance of a hill or a mountain in the distance, or the quick changes that happen with turning the corner. All along, the senses are activated, alert and open, free of their distractions from man-made things. Slowly, day by day, he makes his way north, taking decisions of routes as he goes, balancing the need to reach a destination within his time limit, meaning approximately 60 kilometers per day, a goal that can result in some stress. Still, he seems set on enjoying the journey, its uncertainty of experiences, and the powerful emotions that follow. Asked about the challenges, difficulties of such a strenuous journey, the answer pointed not to the challenges of the body. Some moments were really strong, not physically, but uh, in your head there is so many things um, uh, happening in your head. Uh, so many questions, why you are here? Uh, what what is your life? What have you done of your life? And what will you do with the the time you will continue for your life? So psychologically, it was uh, difficult, but physically not really. But how did the experiences of being in the various landscapes manifest? And sometimes you cry. It's it's not crying of uh, of sadness. It's not cry. Um, uh, it's not. I'm not crying for happiness, but um, crying for uh, the intensity of the life. When uh, I was in, in Lapland, in the, when I arrived in Lapland, everything was so, so desert, so, so big, and you feel like you are nothing. You are just a, a little animals between this immensity, um, and then you. You feel you are nothing, and uh, and maybe uh, psychologically it's quite difficult. He reached his goal at the most northern point of Norway after having fallen on his bike and hurt himself seriously enough to worry about whether he was able to finish or not. But at the moment of his achievement, his thoughts were conflicted. I was a little bit afraid to to go back to the to the normal life. I don't want the, 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 the adventure to stop. <laughs> when I arrived at the, the northwest point of the Europe, I asked myself, why? I, I just want to, to continue my trip and to go turn around the, the world. There, it's one of, the, one of my goals, <laughs> to, to turn around the world with my bicycle. He is now planning a journey from his hometown to Hanoi in Vietnam in September of 2019, halfway across the world. We spoke about his goals and the achievements of others in the field of extreme adventures. He has definitely joined the tribe of those we call adventurers, some sailing across the world's oceans, others climbing mountains. But for all of them, there are things they share, like overcoming their limitations, planning, raising funds, sacrifices and setting goals that are beyond most people's reality. They step out of the box of comfort and conformity while perhaps managing partly because so many of us dream of just that.
The Long List of Adventurers, from Shackleton, Nansen, Amelia Earhart, and those that we have yet to hear of, all offer us a chance to imagine doing something like it, whether in actuality, second-hand, or through making it possible by funding it. I'm knowingly leaving out a fascinating history of political and colonial ambitions relating to the discoveries of earlier adventurers, but rather focusing on the aspect of what they offer on an individual level. I personally know people who have described a similar experience, returning from intense expeditions, for example mountaineers, where the monotony and triviality of day-to-day life feels meaningless. So I asked Jean-Philippe if he could relate to a feeling of addiction, being pulled deeper into the adventure. It, it, it can be an addiction. Uh, of course, I like to be uh, on adventure. But um, uh, I follow the, the adventure when I arrive because I'm, I'm, I'm doing movie about my adventure. And uh, when I'm back to home, I can follow the, the adventure with my movie. There is two patients in my life uh, traveling with my bicycle and uh, filming. I really like to do that. And these two patients can uh, 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 mix together uh, with the things I, I do. So um, I've decided to, to do a mo- movie about cycling in Iceland. They go hand in hand, the adventure and the process of documenting it. And so in normal life, he can relive the adventure through sharing it. Every aspect of its adventure falls under the project name Odisland, with appearance in Belgian and French newspapers, specifically Nord Declare, La Voix du Nord, and with his own self-produced and created documentaries. C'est un endroit qui est un peu fondateur de, de l'Islande, dans le sens où, euh, déjà, un, politiquement, c'est l'endroit où il y a, euh, un, un peu avant mille, l'an 1000, Having seen some of his footage, sometimes shot in windy and cold conditions, some shaky, the effort involved was clear. A simple shot of him biking through the landscape means a massive effort and time, setting up a tripod, biking out of frame, then through the frame again, then returning for camera before carrying on. And even though his drone can capture footage on par with any larger production, it's somehow clear that this is a one-man's effort. Fera la nation islandaise a eu lieu là légèrement avant avant l'an 1000, et c'est aussi la naissance d'un point de vue. He spoke of various adventures and how important it was to find new ways of doing things, in light of most things having been done. So, like his original inspiration, Lionel Daudet, who followed the exact border of France on a bicycle and other non-motorized vehicles, it is key to find novel achievements in order to stand out. But for it to be financially sustainable, or possible, to do multiple adventures, funding is equally important. Although I'm not sure to what degree Jean-Philippe has managed to fund his travels, it is clear that an important part of it will be to reach an audience in some form. For his sponsors, among them Bicycle Maker Riverside, he must have an audience, which will not only tap into his achievements, but into himself, his voice, his message and personality. He told me of his respect for the French adventurer Sylvain Tesson, partly because of his skill to put his experiences into thoughtful words. During Jean-Philippe's recent Iceland trip, he interviewed fishermen and geothermal engineers with a focus on climate change, along with recounting his own experience of the country of fire, ice, and whatever else one finds in between.
When I thought more about the idea of adventure as content creator, Mike Fay came to mind. Perhaps the best-known conservationist slash adventure, synonymous with the National Geographic, he trekked 2,000 miles through intact forest in Congo and Gabon, surveying trees and wildlife, which led to the protection of 11% of Gabon's land and the creation of 13 national parks. Iceland has had its fair share of people who take on the landscape as a way to achieve something. There are bicycle tournaments, like the Wow Cyclothon, where money is raised for charity by biking around the country on the ring road that Jean-Philippe stays clear of. And then there are individuals, like Reine Pietur, who in 1985 walked around the country as a fundraiser for the building of a rec center. Born in 1948, he contracted meningitis at the age of three, leaving him damaged but alive. His journey gained such national attention that he was greeted with fanfare in towns along the way, and his smiling outlook to life has become a national treasure. It's a long list of people who come to Iceland for adventures and achievements, some gaining attention or notoriety, others going below the Icelandic radar for the time being. But back to Jean-Philippe and his journey, and considering that his journey, an absence from home, does not go unnoticed to his children, I asked him how he relates his adventures to them. My kids are adventurer also. I've got a big daughter who is uh, 20 and uh, she's in, in Beijing right now, <laughs> yeah, in China. And uh, she studied there and uh, she, she traveled a lot. Uh, exactly the same as me with uh, just, uh, w- without a bicycle for her, but um, with a train and, and a backpack. <laughs> Uh, and she um, and she she follow the, the, the she, she's a student and she's uh, study politics and my, the, the the two other boys are too young but uh, the uh, my last my last one is uh, uh, ten years old and um, he asked me to do a bicycle trip with him when I'm back uh, in a few uh, in a few weeks. <laughs> I asked him why it's important to share adventures with people. In this day and age, yeah, people are uh, more and more an individual. They are uh, leaving uh, the eyes on the the uh, their eyes on the, their smartphone and Facebook and Twitter all the time. And sometimes they are not just just living for for themselves. Uh, people should know that everything is will be forgotten. The th- only thing that uh, they have to they, they, they will take the, themselves with the, inside their coffin at their own experiences. The, 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 the moment who, where they are alone with, with, uh, with themselves. People are talking about their experience they would like to do. And uh, they always at the end say, um, I will do. Don't say I will go follow your dream now you have to you have to go now so this is my message i know that uh, the way i i live and the way i travel is completely different but i i'm so hungry to discover the world uh, that i can't change and with that simple yet powerful message we end this episode of stories from the atlantic with the mental limits of jean-philippe getting back on his bike which weighs 50 kilos or 110 pounds on his way out of Reykjavik, a city too big and crowded for the man in search of solitude. During that night, he would camp, as usual, 
alone in his tent, this time on top of the mountain pass Hattlesheide, a very different landscape and reality that awaited him back home in Belgium. If you'd like to check out Jean-Philippe's project and his various adventures, past and upcoming, we will have a link on our website, www.storiesfromthenatlantic.com. Till next time, goodbye.